Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 75 of the Flying Free Podcast. This is Natalie Hoffman with FlyingFreeNow.com, and it's just you and me today. I recently did a, what I've been doing is a facilitator training on my membership site for anyone who wants to lead a small group going through my book, Is It Me? Making Sense of Your Confusing Marriage, and the companion workbook to Is It Me? And I'm right now I've got 18 women going through, actually, we're just finishing up today. Going, they went through 12, 11 weeks of training with me, and they each led a group of between two and four women in a small group. And these groups have been absolutely phenomenal. All of the women have just been, I've been getting some amazing feedback. So I'm excited because this training is um, at no cost doesn't cost anything, and anyone who wants to lead a small group can go through the training. All you need to do is find some women that you'd like to go through the small group with, and then if you want to be the facilitator, I can hook you up. So you just need to um, send an email to the community support, Flying Free Community Support Director. Her name is Rachel, and her email address is support at flyingfreenow.com. And if you send her an email and let her know that you would like to be a facilitator for an Is It Me small group and that you have a couple of people in your group, she will send you a link to get into that training. Okay, so the only requirement is that you have a group to lead, you know, to a group to take through the the. Um, the small group, okay, to take through the book. If you don't have a group yet, then you don't want to sign up for the training until you actually have at least two other people besides yourself that want to go through the book with you. It takes 11 weeks to go through the book. You do one chapter of the book a week, and then um, so you'd read the chapter of the book, and then you'd work through the companion workbook chapter that go that coordinates with that chapter in the book. And then at the end of each of the workbook chapters, there is a list of discussion questions. And then those are the questions that you would use in your small group. So anyway, the the training that I've provided, basically, it's just to encourage and help these women as they um, facilitate. And I do a little bit of a teaching in each of the training modules. And the one that we did for week six... I'm going to share with you today on this podcast. Okay, so week six of the chapter is um, all about the role of other people in your destructive marriage. Okay, because marriages are not in built in isolation. We are in community with other people. And even though most of the things that happen in our marriages, we keep pretty private um, we still are, when we do start to step out and share what's going on, there is 
there are these all of these other people in our lives play a role in how they respond to us. And some of those people are going to be very supportive. They're going to hold space for us and give us a safe place where we can talk about our pain. And some people are going to be unsafe. They're going to be very judgmental. They're going to have their own agenda for our lives. They're going to have their own manual for how marriage is supposed to look and how women are supposed to behave in a marriage that is dysfunctional. And they're going to want to impose all of their ideas and their beliefs onto you. And it may or may not be helpful to you at that point in time. And so um, this chapter is basically all about all the different kinds of people that are in your life and how they may or may not respond to you when you disclose that you're being abused. And the, the word that came to my mind when I think about this chapter is grief. Because when it comes to the roles of other people, I think this is where survivors lose big time. You know, this is where they discover the truth that many of the relationships that they had were actually built on this shaky premise that they had to capitulate to the opinions and desires of everyone around them in order to be loved and accepted by other people. And so, you know, they realize that it wasn't just their partner who defined them in a certain way. It was actually a lot of the people in their life. So what happens is that a survivor sees herself mirrored in the eyes of other people. And what she sees is a distortion of who she actually is because other people don't really know who we are all the time. Um, They have their own ideas, but they don't necessarily know who we are, especially if they... Um, especially if they're abusive. Usually what abusive people do is project their own shortcomings onto other people and mostly onto their intimate partner or their children. So if they have weaknesses that they're ashamed about deep down inside in their own lives, in order to help them feel better about themselves, they'll actually project those very weaknesses onto their target And then if she is highly sensitive or he, it can go both ways, they will take on the shame of their abuser and they'll, they'll take it on themselves and they'll begin to see themselves as that way, even though that's not really who they are in their core. And, you know, this is so hard because when a survivor is finally waking up to her own value and her own worth, she's finally realizing, hey, I'm a human being too. And I actually have my own ideas, my own opinions, and it's okay for me to have my own ideas and my own opinions. It's okay for me to have my own preferences. This is, I don't, I'm not an evil person because I prefer a certain, you know, certain color, colors in my home than other colors. Or that, that are different than what my husband prefers or what someone else prefers. So when she starts to realize that, 
she begins to stand up for herself. She begins to stand up, period, and show up. And the enemy of her soul gnashes his teeth because she's not allowed to show up. Here's the problem. When, when Christian women begin to show up, they become powerful in this world. And the enemy can't have that. He has to neutralize a Christian woman so that she is not powerful, so that she, her power is taken away. Her power to spread the gospel, to spread the love of Jesus Christ, to use her gifts to bring glory to God, that power is stripped from her when she's neutralized. And, you know, the Bible says that we don't fight against flesh and blood. It's not just, it's not your church and your abuser and all of the dysfunctional people that may be in your life that are neutralizing you. They are just pawns in, and, and their idea, they are also victims of the enemy and false beliefs about how this world is supposed to work. And so when you get all of that, so collectively, all of, all of this comes together in order to neutralize you and them as well. Okay, so there's a passage in the Bible that I want to talk about right now because I think it offers us some really incredible insights into our own experience. And it's a part where, um, I don't know if you remember when Jesus went out into the wilderness. This is before he started his earthly ministry. He went out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and that's where he was tempted by Satan. And Satan was trying to get him, get Jesus, to rescue the world in a different way than, the, than, than God's plan. Rescue the world by taking over the world. By, he was tempting Jesus with power over. Come on, Jesus. Like your plan of sacrificing yourself really sucks. And it's so much nicer to think about just, think about all the good you could do if you just took power over the world right now. You don't have to go through with this ridiculous plan of being crucified and giving your life as a ransom. Just take power over the world right now. Set everything right, right now by taking power over. Isn't that incredible? That is the temptation that he still uses on Christians, on the followers of Christ today. Take power over. If you take power over, you can do so much good. Men, if you take power over women, just think about the good you can do in this world. But Jesus wasn't, wasn't uh, buying it, okay? And by the way, Satan used the word of God all three times in order to tempt Jesus to take power over. It's a great way of understanding, a great insight into understanding how the enemy works. The enemy doesn't tempt us with nasty, evil stuff like that. He tempts us with the word of God. And you can take any scripture that you want to and twist it in any way that you want to, to make a case for whatever belief system that you want to make a case for. So, okay. So after this time in the wilderness, he goes into town and he starts speaking in the synagogues. But when he goes to his hometown of Nazareth, 
and goes to the synagogue there. The Bible says that he opens up this passage in Isaiah and he reads to everyone that's in the synagogue, he reads this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he said something that made everyone really, really angry. He said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And you know what they said? They said, isn't this Joseph's son? What? This is, this is, and they began to define him. This is that bastard child of Joseph and Mary. And he is claiming, see, they knew that this scripture passage was a prophecy about the coming Messiah. So when Jesus said, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your, in your hearing, that he was saying, I am the Messiah. This is about me. And, and he, so what he was doing is he was standing up into his true identity in front of these people. And these people, how they saw him as the bastard son of Joseph and Mary and as a poor carpenter, that, that, that just didn't fit with how they saw him. Now, Jesus could have kept looking at him, you know, viewing himself through their eyes, how they were mirroring him back to him, but he didn't. Jesus knew who he was, and he stood in his full identity as the son of the living God. And he wasn't afraid to say, this is who I am. The Bible says that these people were full of wrath. And they chased him out of the synagogue. They excommunicated him. They chased him to the the side of the mountain that this city was built on. And they were going to throw him off the cliff. Their wrath was so full of hate that they were prepared to murder him right then and there. And Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus walked through that crowd and went on his way. That means that he had to imagine, just try to imagine this. You know, we read things in the Bible and we just, oh yeah, I've read that a million times. We don't really think about what this scene must have been like. Imagine being chased out of your church. Well, I can, because that happened to me. You can, a lot of you can imagine this as well. You're chased out of your church because you stand up to who you, for who you really are. You stand up and you speak the truth and they don't want to hear it. They already have defined you how they want to define you. And if you're going to define yourself differently, they're going to be full of wrath toward you. So they chase him to the edge of this mountain and he walks through the crowd and just walks away You guys, he had to walk through a crowd that was probably swearing at him, jeering at him, um, pushing him, shoving him, saying horrible things about him. The Bible doesn't tell us all of the details, 
But I think we can use our imagination based on what we've seen in our world and in our experience of how he was treated. And he walked away. It wasn't his time yet. And, and he walked through the crowd, through all of that, and walked away. That is what we do as well, what we need to do as well. All right? So people are going to, our power, our power is going to be in facing this opposition and facing this grief and facing this identity defamation head on. This is when you truly get set free from the opinions of other people. You guys, I have been a card-carrying member of the People Pleasers Club my entire life. And this is what set me free. Finally, I stopped living for other people and, tr- and tr- trying to win their love and approval and acceptance by being who they wanted me to be and finally found who I really was. I live now out of my core values, out of the core of who I am as a human being, in my identity in Jesus Christ. And there are going to be some people that really enjoy me and want to be my friend and want to have a relationship with me. And and we're going to enjoy that. And then there are going to be other people who don't. They want a relationship with me that is conditioned on my being someone that I'm not someone who they want me to be. That's, again, that's power over another person. And I'm just having none of that anymore. And you guys, it's so painful to walk through this because you lose these relationships. And yet, this is where, this is where you get your power back. And also, you won't be able to build new relationships based on who you really are, you won't be able to show up as your authentic self in your relationships unless you make this break, unless you see that this really hard process of walking through that crowd and walking out on the other side, unless you see that all the way through to the end. And then you know what's on the other side? Freedom. Freedom. Now, that was at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, and he spent three more years walking in freedom and being his authentic self and showing up, and many, many people believed him, and he had fellowship with them and had relationship with them that started right there at that point in time in history and that still has, is lasting to this day. And these are eternal relationships. And I just want to encourage you that there you may lose relationships with people that you really love, that you care about. And, and yet, actually, you know, I think um, I've been learning recently that connection isn't just about our relationships with other people and our interactions with them. We can have connection with people that don't want to talk to us. People that we care about and that we love, but they've rejected us because we're not being who they want us to be. We can actually have connection with those people inside of our minds. 
by the, and I, I'm trying to do this myself. I'm working on this with my own family of origin. I don't see any of them anymore, but I want to love them. I want to feel good toward them. I want to feel forgiveness for them. I want to feel connected to them, even though there is no physical connection or verbal connection between us right now. And how I'm doing that is in my mind and in my thoughts towards them. So I've spent time having to go through a lot of grief in losing them. And part of that grief process has included processing some of the painful things that were done to me and were said about me and that have continued to be done. You know, it's not like it was just, it's just been a one-time thing, but it's kind of an ongoing thing. So it's attitudes and behaviors that are chronic and that are not changing. And yet I've had to come to terms with that, that that's everyone gets to make their own choices. Everybody gets to live the life they want to live. Everyone gets to behave the way they want to behave. Everyone gets to have the relationships that they want to have. Everyone gets to feel close to the people they want to feel close to or not feel close to the people they don't want to feel close to. And there's nothing that we can do about the decisions of other people and the, th- and the choices that they make. We can only take power over our own decisions and our own choices and our own thoughts in our own minds. And that's what's going to create the emotions that we have towards other people. So I just decided that I don't want to feel a lot of anger and bitterness towards people that have hurt me in the past. I want to feel love and forgiveness for them. And that means that I need to let go of trying to control them and how they show up for me. And I also need to let go of my own, just basically nurturing my own hard feelings towards them. It doesn't mean that I excuse their behavior because I absolutely do not. And in fact, in order for me to actually have physical contact again with someone who has chronically hurt me in the past, I would now my perspective is that I would need that person to acknowledge that I'm hurt. They don't have to acknowledge that they did anything wrong because here's the thing. They, their manual for life might be very different from my manual. In their manual for life, their poor behavior, what I would call their poor behavior, that might be like great behavior for them. Like they might think that, you know, the role that they play in a family, that that role is like the perfect way to play that role. And my manual for life is very different. I would play that role very differently and show up in my relationships in a different way. And I can't change their manual. So I wouldn't, uh, now looking back, I, I don't think I would try to change their manual, but I definitely think that 
it's important that we stand up and say, this is who I am. In my manual, I don't tolerate that kind of behavior. You can do it, but I won't be hanging around you if you continue that kind of behavior. Because that, for me, doesn't align with my core values and it's destructive in my life and it doesn't serve me. But I love you. I love you and I wish you the best. And if you ever change your mind and you want to show up in a more respectful way, then I would love to spend time with you again. That's how I would probably approach things now. And, but it's taken me a long time to get here. And I've had to go through a lot of anger and a lot of indignation and a lot of, because it's been years and years and years of being treated in a certain way and me just tolerating it. And I've also had to take responsibility. um, I've also had to take responsibility for my tolerating that because of my fear, my tremendous fear of not being liked. And so I just threw myself under the bus. I have a much more trusting relationship with myself now than I used to have. I didn't trust myself to take care of myself. So there was just so much shame and so much guilt on so many different levels. And I just, I've been able to let go of a lot of that. And here's the really awesome thing. When you start to let go of that shame in yourself and you start to accept yourself just the way you are, and you start to say, you know what? I actually really like my manual for life. And if there's anything in my manual that I'm not comfortable with or that I think I need to tweak, I'm totally okay with tweaking that. It's no big deal. You know what? I mean, is our manual perfect? No, it never, it's never going to be perfect and it doesn't have to be perfect. And so we've got to stop expecting, ju- being so judgy of ourselves and that's going to free us up not to be so judgy of other people who also have imperfect manuals and are showing up in imperfect ways as well. Again, this does not mean that we excuse abuse or that we submit ourselves to abuse, abusive behavior. It just means that we take care of ourselves, that we take care of ourselves in the same way that we would take care of our children or that we would take care of a good friend or that we would defend a, a, you know, anyone that we love and care for. We're going to defend ourselves in the same way, not in a panicked, um, freak out, screaming, yelling kind of a way, but in just a very calm adult way that this is who I, just like Jesus did, this is who I am. I am the son of God. And if you hate me for that, then I guess you hate me for that. But I will be who I am and nothing is going to take that power away from me. So that's all I have for you today. Go out and be who you are. Find out who you are and then be that woman. Show up. Be compassionate to yourself. Your life will change. It starts with you. Fly free.